As we continue now into James chapter 5 of our message series, Turning Our Faith Inside Out, I know I have a, a story here that will resonate with any parents that we have in our midst, any teachers that we have here, any preschool aides or summer camp staff, but it's about a young boy who needed help getting his cowboy boots on for recess. It was an unseasonably cold winter day in Texas. And so the teacher gladly came over and started to help him get the boots on. He was pulling with all his might. She was trying to push these things on him. And, and finally, after getting them both on, he said, they're on the wrong feet. <sighs> and so she quickly tried to wrestle and get these boots off and, and switched them to the proper side. And, and again, he's pulling and she's pushing and working up a little sweat and and finally gets them both on, and then he goes, these aren't my boots. <laughs> and so the teacher again wrestles both of them off, and as soon as she gets them off, he says, they're my brothers. But my mom made me bring them. <laughs> and so at this point, she's not sure if she's ready to laugh or just cry, but again, she musters the grace to get both of these boots back on his feet and, and she has him stand up and start to put his jacket on and she goes and, and where are your mittens and with this little innocent look he looks back up and says I stuffed him in the toes of my boots <laughs> patience in the first part of chapter 5 James talks about afflicting the comfortable, the wicked rich in his day who were just oppressing the poor, oppressing Christians. And then in this next part of James chapter 5, he comforts the afflicted. He's going to talk to us about those who are just going through some really hard trying times in life and this special call for the children of God to be patient. To be patient because Jesus Christ is coming back. And so, four times, in the verses that we're about to unpack here, four times, James uses this word in Greek, it's our English word, patience, but in the word behind it in Greek, it's actually a combination of two words. It's a combination of macro and thumos. Macro is long, and thumos is heat. And so behind our English word patience is this idea of this divine summons to really stick it out. To really bear up when we are in the crucible and the heat is being turned up. That's behind this word in the Bible, patience. And so the question that comes to my mind and maybe you connect to is, okay, for how long? Right? How long, O oh Lord, do you want me to be patient, to have this long heat in my life? Let's start with his first verse here in verse 7. James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. <laughs> Lord, how? <laughs> how are we supposed to do that? As if 
Patience in itself isn't painful enough sometimes. But then we add on top of that the weight of this pandemic that's lingering and even seeing this surgence of new strains. We want us to bear up and be patient under the devastation of the, the fires out west and floods in the south and east and, and under the droughts and under the other disasters in this world. You, you want us to be patient in the violence that continues to just rake this nation and our communities. You, you want us to be patient in a culture that is turning away from God at the speed of light. You want us to be patient with homes and marriages are just crumbling and, and spending habits and, and a national debt that's into the trillions. Lord, how are we supposed to bear up in these times until that day you come. That just seems like an awfully long time. And an awfully lot, God. How? Well, that's where James is going to take us. He's going to lift all of us up right now. And teach us how we can not just persevere in faith. But build a faith with fortitude that lasts and holds strong until Jesus Christ comes back. So let's look at his words to us now. First, James reminds us, the first help is this. Jesus' return is near. And we have to believe that. Look at this illustration he leads us into. He says, look how the farmer waits. I went too far. Look how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. In first century Israel, the farmers would till the soil in around October and plant the seed, and then about October, the first rains would come. And then the last rains would come right before the harvest in March or April. And so what can the farmer do once he sows the seed in October and has the harvest in April? What can the farmer do between the rains? Wait, right? The farmer can only wait. Nothing a farmer does can speed up the process can make it germinate or grow or yield fruit any faster. For many things that are simply beyond their control, the farmer simply must wait patiently. And that's exactly where he's telling us. Look how he continues. He goes, you also, just like the farmers, be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is drawing near. In fact, behold, the judge is standing at the door. The judge is at the doors. He's not focusing here on the location of Jesus Christ, but he's focusing upon the imminence of his return. It's near. It's almost here. Jesus is right at the door waiting for the Father's go to come and get his children. It won't be long now. And that gives us 
the patience that we need to persevere because we know Jesus is nigh. And then he continues. Jesus is not just drawing near, but we also find help with our patience in this. We have the example of the former prophets. The prophets who went before us who also did ministry in some very terrible and dark times. I just picked a handful of them for you here. Look at these prophets and what they endured. James says, take, brothers, an example of the suffering of patience, the suffering and patience, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Here are five that I chose. First, Elijah. Elijah many times... I'm being really patient. (laughs) Elijah did ministry under a death threat from evil queen Jezebel. Or I think of Daniel, who when he stood up for his faith in God, got sent to Detroit. Right in the heart of the lion's den. Or Isaiah, who brought the word to to the people and and he eventually, they have it under evil King Manasseh, was sawn in half. Or his prophet Jeremiah, who was locked away in stocks because they didn't like his preaching. Then they put him in a cistern, and tradition has it that he was later stoned to death in Egypt. Or even in the, first, the Second Testament, John the Baptist, who spoke the truth of God's word, and someone who couldn't have his brother's wife for his wife. And his head in prison was taken off. And so here we have just a handful of the prophets who went before us in the Christian faith. And the people didn't want to hear their message. And many of the kings and leaders were hostile to them. And yet they persevered. They patiently knew that God's plan and purpose would prevail. Even when it got really long and hot. We don't just have the prophets, but James now takes us to the Super Bowl of suffering. This is the only time in the whole New Testament where Job is mentioned. But James holds before us, when we are tempted to just give up and fold, he holds before us the endurance of Job. Look at his words to us, beginning of verse 11. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You In just two chapters of the Bible, Job loses everything. He loses all of his children all of his ten sons and daughters in a natural disaster. He loses his health. He loses his wealth. And he literally loses his farm. And so here is Job sitting in all these ashes and grief and unspeakable loss. And yet Job doesn't renounce his faith. Next 36 chapters of Job, 
God is silent. Not one. In fact, it's a reminder to us that even in seasons of waiting, God's delays, his silence, are not his denial in our life. And it's actually neat, near the end of the book, in the midst of his adversity, Job would be drawn into the closest communion with his God. And God, through the end of the book, would lead Job to not only redeem all of his loss, but restore it in a way that only our God can restore. I love as we talk about this patience and waiting and the suffering and loss of life, I, I love this quote by Richard Hendricks. He said in the Christian Reader, second only to suffering, waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer and godliness and maturity second only to suffering waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness and maturity and it was amidst the trials and misfortunes the suffering and silence that god would lead job to not only a much more humble faith but a much deeper understanding of who his God is. And God in all of it would lead Job to this assurance that even in life's hardships and loss, even when God might be silent, this is what we know, that our God is very compassionate and merciful. This word, very compassionate, is only used of God in the Bible. And it's literally a combination of two Greek words, again, that mean much spleen. Our God is very compassionate. He has much spleen. Your innards, the heart and seat of your emotions, you mean the spleen to your God. And how do you know this, even if you're in a season of hardship and waiting? Because ultimately, he wouldn't just deliver Job, but ultimately, he would send his only son. And the cross is your eternal stamp of how much you mean to God. That he would give his son to hardship and loss far greater than even Job experienced, so that God could redeem you and hold before you the promise of eternal restoration. That your eternity is one of life and blessing in the presence of your God. So that even in our hardship and suffering, or in long times of silence, when we can only be patient and wait, we know the heart and spleen of our God. And it's for you.
Maybe some of you woke up this morning and you're thinking, man, how do I just survive this day? Or how do I survive this week or month or year? And Lord, how? This is how. This is how the God who began this good work in you is going to bring it in completion in your life until the day he comes back. His return is near. He's at the door. We have the example of the prophets who went before us. We even have the endurance of Job. But most of all, we have the God who is deeply compassionate and filled with tender mercy for you. And so as we think about this, even when times might be really hard and tough and trying right now, this is our hope. And this is our reason for optimism. Even in these great hardships and even in these very trying times. As we sit with these words of God, I have a couple questions to meditate on now to take a minute or so and talk about with one another or worship those you're worshiping with at home. But I thought these questions uh, would really speak to us. First one is, where in your life right now do you need God's help to just patiently endure? And then second, having heard these words from James, how does this passage encourage you to keep waiting patiently now. Go ahead and share those thoughts with each other, and then we'll continue with our worship. <laughs> 